whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. Okay, you ready? I am. Okay, good. Are you ready? I think so. All great. right. Let's do it. So, what a great pleasure to finally meet Jordan Rodes from Dream Theater. Oh, very nice. Nice to meet you as well. You just told me you had a day off in Hamburg. So what did you guys do? Uh, what did we guys do? Well, I know what I did. I enjoyed walking around. I'm a person who, in, who likes to get out and just see things and walk and kind of get some air. So on my day off, that's what I did. I was out and about. I went to the big plaza and down by the water, walking around and uh, that kind of thing. It's very nice. Hamburg is a very green city, usually, for sure, not in January. Yeah, right, right. But uh, if you come back in the summertime, you will be impressed how green it is. Yeah, no, we've been here a lot, and I always enjoy it here. It's yeah. very nice, yeah. Thank you so much. I take this as a compliment. Oh, well, you should. No, it's awesome. I mean, there's everything you want, and it's all... I just get a nice vibe, so it's right. all good. So, German rock fans are often described as very faithful and enthusiastic and mm -hmm. is that something you could confirm or do you have a complete different impression regarding German rock fans or dream theater fans? Well, we've had such a great relationship with the uh, the fans in Germany. It's been, you know, uh, we've had a long career and a lot of it's been here. I mean, if you look at our tour dates, very often many of the shows are in right. Germany. So, uh, you know, we have great turnout at the shows and people always like it. So I feel like it's one of our kind of like core audiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was one thing to say that kind of like, because every audience is a little bit unique. I didn't feel it like so much recently, but I have felt it before where you almost feel like people are studying a little bit like this, you know, instead of just letting go and yeah. like enjoying, maybe yeah. they're a little bit clinical about it. But um, I have to say that I didn't really get that impression lately. So uh, it's just a great audience, you know. Okay. There are already a lot of fans outside of the venue. Um, already? Okay. That's nice. Um, okay. Is there any weird fan moment that you've experienced in the past 20 years? Weird fan moment? A lot of weird fan <laughs> moments. <laughs> I don't know what come, actually one came to mind, which is uh, I was in Italy. And, you know, I, as I said, I always like to get out and walk and see things. And this particular day, I knew that we were playing in an area downtown, but I didn't know exactly where. So I was walking with some friends downtown and all of a sudden I made a turn and there was a bunch of fans like right there. And then they told the other, other fans and it kind of like was this chain reaction telling everybody sure, that yeah. I was there and I was just like a, almost like a sitting duck on the street. And so I tried to duck inside of like a little coffee shop or something and then and they all came in and it was like whoa okay so here we go I guess we're taking pictures and having a meet and greet you know with all the fans that was really funny it sounds beautiful crazy but nice uh, did you ever feel like a real rock star uh, the only place I, I honestly feel like a real rock star is when we go to Chile Because in Chile, they, they are, it's like a different planet. It's the planet of prog metal. It's Dream Theater planet. Yeah. If you look up in the sky, you can see it. Dream Theater is like a household name in Chile. So if you go out, like if I'm sitting at a restaurant, I'm just going out, everybody knows me. Everybody knows us. You know, it's like, it's really pretty interesting. It's almost like we're like, you know, Madonna or something like that down there. But how did that happen? I mean, can you explain why Chile is... I don't know. They just love the music and they're into it and they're passionate and they, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of followers. I mean, the, actually, the 
the two biggest shows we've ever done have been in Santiago, Chile. One of them was uh, the first time we played there outdoors, which was like for 18,000 people, I think. And then, the, and most recently, we played there for 15,000 people, mm-hmm. uh, and it was wild. It was a wild scene. So it happens to be an incredible That's number crazy. of fans. Yeah, yeah, fun, though. This would not be the city that comes into my mind when you say it's the dream theater. Yeah, yeah, capital. but Santiago, Chile is the place. Cool. Yep. I read that the main reason that you decided to play with the Dixie Dregs was that you wanted to focus on your family life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1994, sure. you decided, okay, let's do the Dream Theater thing. How did this second decision influence your family? Yeah, so it was 19, well, it was ni- the end of 1998 when I decided to do okay. the, the Dream Theater thing because I was offered to do the Dream Theater thing some years before. Ah, and then I said no. Or, yeah, right, Dixie right. Yeah. Get our, right. our timeline <laughs> <laughs> in order. Um, it's hard to remember. <laughs> But first time they asked me, I I had gone for an audition. I met the guys. I really liked them. We had a great time. We got along really well. I did one concert with them. It was called. Uh, it was a. Uh, um, a convention, a metal convention called Foundations Form, a very important show for the band, especially at that time. They needed somebody to do the job. And so I said, yes, I'll do that with you. And I ended up playing that show with them. But then after that, saying no, that I can't, uh, I'm not going to join the group. Because I also had uh, an offer from the Dixie Dregs. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at my life and kind of feeling like, wow, I can either go on the road, like can constantly... Um, or maybe be home a little bit, which my wife and I just had a, um, a daughter. And so I was kind of balancing out, and then I ended up saying, you know what, I can't do it. So, of course, <laughs> years later, everything changed, and uh, here we are 21 years later. Your keyboard play is often and completely right described as virtuoso, using different keys, minor, blues tone, minor, pentatonic, combined with almost everything All the scales. possible. Right, right. Yeah. Can music be too complicated for the new generation of rock fans? For those that are 20 years old at the moment, for example, I mean, the top 10 of the charts is uh, with... Yeah, right. Guys singing about the beauty of girls with three, four simple chords over right, and over sure. again on a right. guitar. Sure. Well, I mean, the music business has always been that way, and Dream Theater is kind of an anomaly that we play music that's more complex and deeper harmonically and rhythmically using all the different scales. Um, but somehow we've managed to kind of cross over that line and reach an international audience, um, which has been so, you know, into the band and supportive of it. And I think the reason that that's happened is because, you know, we're very um, sensitive to... um, things that come from the heart and our emotions. Yeah, we like to play. We like when the fingers are dancing in the keys or the guitar or whatever. But we also like to write a beautiful melody and we like to do things that we know people will be able to sing along with. So we're very aware. If it's too complex and if it's only complex, it might be very interesting to other musicians and like, wow, kind of incredible. But it's not going to reach a big audience because people are not 
musicians out there. People just want to hear music that touches them, that makes them feel something, that makes them relate. Uh, you know, maybe in the words, there's something to relate to. And that's just reality. I mean, in normal, everyday people like music, and they're not musicians. So I think Dream Theater kind of brings in, of course, many musicians, because we have that element of being able to play all the different scales and arpeggios. <laughs> but also, I think the reason we've had this career is because we, we appreciate a wider kind of... Uh, Concept, which is to bring other people in and have just nice music people can understand. Has there ever been a manager or a, um, a label boss who said, make the music easier so it's easier to sell? Well, I think before I joined the band, they had done the album Falling Into Infinity, um, and that was trying, and that was the record company and people around Dream Theater trying to kind of shape it a little bit and maybe make it a little bit more commercial. Um, but of course, that didn't go over very well with the fans. And then after that, I joined the band and we did scenes from from a memory, and we kind of took it upon ourselves to find that balance. So the members of Dream Theater <coughs> always had side projects. A lot of side projects, right. and uh, to come to the roots, to your roots, yeah. I just have to ask: Is there a revival of the liquid tension experiment? Experiment. Uh, there's no plan to do that now. Although uh, I get asked that every day, I think that we've all expressed kind of an interest in doing that again. Although you have to picture all of us with our list of things that we really want to do. You know, and there's a lot of things. So liquid tension is one of them, but it's a big scheduling issue. It's a big thing to go on everybody's list and say, well, I want to do it, but I also want to do this and this and this and this. So let's just say that it could happen, but it's not in the plan right now. So this is just the next question. How did Dream Theater manage to get together in the studio? Who's scheduling? Who's coordinating your time? How do we manage to do it? Oh, really? Are you asking how Dream Theater gets together in the studio? Yeah, because you have all these side projects. Oh, well, Dream Theater is the most important thing. Dream Theater is our, you know, our number one kind of thing for everybody. It's, uh, I hate to put it this way, but it's almost like your day job. It is the bread and butter that makes everything else work. Nobody's going to say, oh, I can't go into the studio because I'm doing a side project. They wouldn't be in the band. <laughs> They wouldn't be able to be in this band. It's just not like that. But it does not need months of time to write a new album, as we can see on the last album, Distance Over Time, just happened in like 20 days? Mm, a little more than that. Um, but it was pretty quick. So it, yeah. it, it depends. It depends if the uh, gods of inspiration are with us or not. You know, so the, uh, the writing for the last album did happen quickly, but then there's all the tracking and everything else that goes along with it, and then it takes, that's a process that takes a while. How does a new song is born? Is it a melody? Is it the lyrics? Is it a riff? Or is it just a spontaneous jam? That you uh, all of the above. It can be anything like that. Sometimes, uh, you know, John Petrucci will come and say, oh, I got this little kind of pattern, and I'll go, well, I like that, and then I'll play some more chords and go, oh, that's the B section. <laughs> and, you know, ten yeah. minutes later, you have a song. I mean, sometimes, as we've always heard in the music business, songs can get written very quickly. Mm -hmm. Other times, maybe it's more of a composition, like almost like a classical composition, where everything is really thought about, and, you know, we try different things. Generally, it happens from some kind of a seed. You know, if somebody's got a melody in their head, mm -hmm. okay, the melody's in the head, and maybe James will have something he's singing, and I'll find some chords. We go, okay, that's great, but now let's figure out what goes around it. There's always like a little seed, seed yeah. of inspiration. And for me, I'm an improviser, so I sit down at the piano and 
it's like talking to me. I can just play new stuff all day, whether it's good or not, who knows. But, you know, but that is very much one of my methods of communication and kind of maybe emotional output. So it's not unusual to just put forth some ideas. It's very natural. So um, it's a question of deciding then what hits everybody like you know some things i i wouldn't even present or you know I'll, I'll be at home and i'll turn on my camera and just capture an improvisation and play on facebook or instagram and it's music that i'll probably never go back to but maybe some of it was very nice so the ideas are not such a big deal it's more about finding something that works for the dream theater whole and then taking the time to craft it and having it become you know what what it is Dream Theater is a huge inspiration and a role model for young progressive rock bands. Do you, after over 20 years, still pick some inspiration from other bands or musicians? Um, yeah, sure. Well, I'm a big music listener, but I listen to classical music. I listen to electronic music. I listen to other bands. I don't listen to much like metal stuff, personally. I'll listen to more, like I don't know spacier kind of gentler stuff in general um, and things that are a little bit more like leaning towards electronic sound, synthesizer sounds because I'm so into synthesizers and I'll take inspiration from uh, those elements and I'll also uh, take inspiration from the technology the, the musical technology that's happening if there are new ways to create sound excuse me, new ways to create sound. Um, like I have a company called Wisdom Music that that makes software, like mostly for like uh, iOS software, and we do like cutting edge kind of instruments. And those things influence kind of like the way that I think about music and what I write and what I do. If there would be just one album you have to listen to for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, well, there's a, there's a few favorites. You know, uh, it's not, there's definitely not one. I mean... Something like a dark side of the moon, or yes, close to the edge, yeah. or the one of the biggest um, inspirations for me, which really helped to change my path from going down a strict classical path to more rock, was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Tarkus. Mm -hmm. That was an album that meant a lot to me. But I'm also a big uh, Hendrix fan, and Electric Ladyland was yeah. a wonderful album for me. So these are the ones that kind of desert island uh, you know discs if you will so it's not one it's like 30 uh, it's probably it's probably more like five albums and I just said most of them so yeah I did a very very long research on scandals disputes with other bands lawsuits destroyed hotel rooms drugs there's absolutely nothing from Dream Theater we're, regarding scandals we're so boring are you right? the most beloved and favorite <coughs> band in the world We're very friendly. It's true. I mean, you know, I hate to disappoint anybody listening, but the reality is when some bands are like partying or going crazy and doing that, we're practicing to a metronome, you know, in our room backstage or something like that. Yeah. After so many years on stage, is there a certain routine that you follow every time before you go on stage? I mean, is it nervousness or is it, do you have rituals? Is it like you need backstage 10 Red Bulls? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, my ritual is that I'll take a half an hour before we start the show and I will just kind of settle down and prepare myself for the show. Maybe I'll work on my beard a little <laughs> bit. I'll do some stretching. I'll warm my hands. It's a time to kind of focus in. Okay, the show is coming and now it's time to be prepared. So, so that, the, 
it kind of it, it is in it is in a way, yeah, because it's definitely that you put aside that time and you know that you're going to be just kind of focused and you know all these thing, all the preparation. Some bands are holding their own festivals, like Slipknot's Not Fest and Ozzy Osbourne's Oz Fest. Right. If Dream Theater would have their very own festival, who would be there to headline? Who would be there to headline, or who would be there with us? Oh, well, we had some shows in the um, the last festival run that were very much kind of like that type of thing. We, uh, um, I think it was uh, with Tesseract, who's really good, or even Periphery, some of the younger kind of metal bands, or Opeth would be good. Yeah, band, some bands like that. That would that would be pretty cool. And is there any band that you would say, no, nope, you're not coming on our festival? Oh, we don't really hate anybody, but <laughs> I just think that stylistically, you know, you, some bands that would just not fit, you know, so when we're going to go for somebody that's doing something that's very musical and and also something that has some popularity because, of course, it's important. Um, so, I mean, with that in mind, we would look for bands like that. If you could join a <clears throat> band, you pick the band on stage for a spontaneous jam session, which band would it be? Uh, for a spontaneous jam session, you know, one of the artists that I that I've worked with a little bit that I would always love to work with in the future, and he's not like well, he's got his own band, but Stephen Wilson, because mm. uh, I just I'm very good friends with him, and and we just have a very nice bond musically. But so I'd look for opportunities to do something like that, something with him again. Matter of fact, I just posted um, a little video clip on my uh, social media of us playing together, just piano and guitar, one of his songs, and it reminded me how like kind of uh, we have this nice resonance between us. Yeah. So yeah. So the last question is not really a question. Okay. But if you have a wish. What's your wish? Make a wish. Make a wish. Um, well, my, I guess one of my daily wishes is that I can just like keep going on to make music smoothly for as long as possible. Um, you know, as a human being, we're dealing with all kinds of uh, things that come up that some things, as you get older, can, can prevent you maybe from doing what you love to do. So my wish is that I can continue with this musical path smoothly in a flowing manner as long as humanly possible. You sound like a complete happy man. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm good. I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm, my life is filled with music, so how bad can it be? Right. right. Thank you so much for the interview. All right. Thank you for so the good beautiful. questions. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rockin' podcasts.